Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So hello there and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we talk all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending of course on which platform you choose to follow us on. And guys, after a crazy season which has seen 22 Grand Prix fought over nine months where two Titans took battle from the first race in Bahrain to the very last lap of the season in Abu Dhabi, history has been made. We have a brand new world champion in Max Verstappen dethroning the seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton who was ever so close from making his own bit of history. However... That is only a mere, mere footnote in an otherwise much, much larger and controversial story. Normally, a world championship that is won by a new champion would be an incredible headline, an incredible story to talk about. However, based on how it transpired and how it happened, it certainly left a bitter taste in a lot of mouths of fans, new followers and old followers alike. And we are going to get down into this, break it down bit by bit as it happened and give our two cents on what we thought was one of the most amazingly incredible sporting moments, but somewhat controversial to say the least as well. Joining me on this podcast, of course, is my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Of course, we also have a regular on the DNF1 F1 podcast, Lee Wallington joining us. And we also have the other half, of the 1892 Reds podcast joining us this weekend as well in Ricky Wade. Now, Courtney, I'm going to come to you first on this one. After an incredible season that we've had, the story has been Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. And despite the fact that we are crowning a brand new world champion, of course, albeit we should mention it is a very deserving world champion in Max Verstappen, based on what we saw and based on how it all went down, it's certainly hard to argue that a lot of people are very much disappointed in what transpired in the final few laps of this Formula One World Championship. What are your thoughts in, in how you could summarise what went down? Um, it's disappointing, not only for Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes and for um, Lewis's fans, but also for fans of the sport in general, because what we witnessed last night in the time of um, recording isn't sport. That, for me, is reality TV. It reminded me a lot of WWE. And all four of us are passionate about sport. We watch it because we're, cause it's, it, cause it's a sport. That What happened last night was not sport. And I'm seriously worried about the direction this sport is heading in. So, yeah, absolutely right, Courtney. Um, it, it was worthy of something that you, we would often see in the WWE where it's all choreographed and scripted to a degree where the person that the organisation wants to win 
wins uh, the match or, or title, whatever it is we want to call it, for those of you familiar with the concept of sports entertainment. That being said, of um, I, I think we probably all agree, or I imagine most of us would agree, that the FIA weren't trying or didn't desire Max Verstappen to win this world championship over Lewis Hamilton. But there was certainly an element of design to this, uh, more than coincidence, that they wanted a straight fight between these two at the very, very end of this world championship. And that's exactly what we got. Um, Lee, I, I want to come to you as well on this one. Um, we've I've spoken to all of you here already about this um, over the phone and stuff like this, because there's certainly a lot to unpack from this. But Lee, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you share those sentiments from Corny that this was worthy of WWE or this was something that the fans were really robbed of, for lack of a better way of putting it, a fair fight? Yeah, I, I mean... I, I do agree that it's it was complete shambles. It was an utter mess and embarrassment to Formula One and to sport, any form of sport. Um, but I think that you sent me a, a good meme yesterday about a football analogy of Lewis Hamilton was 3-0 up. Next goal wins, Max Verstappen scored. I thought that was a perfect analogy. Um, but the... I understand the FA wants in a fair race, but then pulling in the safety car, um, the five lapping the, those cars pass, pulling in the safety car. That isn't a fair race because they knew doing that would then give Max the title because Lewis couldn't defend on old tyres against those softs. But then they got themselves in a hard place in the decision because not doing it meant they give Lewis the title. And then you, you reverse the situation that Red Bull will complain and then it opens up the mirror image of what we're potentially seeing now. Um, but I also want to add on the Max has driven wonderfully well this year and he has been a great, um, he would be a great uh, champion deserves the, the title, but he, this championship is going to always be marred over the FA gave it to him. Um, and Max may not care. Some Red Bull fans may not care, but that'd be uh, the casual observer. Um, FA gave it to him, which, for trying to drive as Max has done as a driver, that's not a very fair label to have him as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point because you know we're, we're going to talk a bit about Max Verstappen a bit later on because um, it's quite it's quite remarkable this season owing to the controversy and the incidents that we've seen that we're actually talking about a championship defining moment where Max Verstappen not only did he do nothing wrong but he wasn't at the center of it at all which is quite a rare thing, I think we can say this season. He's always been at the forefront of the controversy, whether he's in the right or not. And um, uh, the whole build-up from so many outlets and so many people on so many different shows, including ours, was centred around, would Max Verstappen do something that would give him the World Championship What wasn't necessarily in the best interest or spirit of the sport? Um, and to his credit, he raced as fair a race as I think I've seen Max Verstappen race or as clean a race, if you like, is a better way of putting it perhaps. Um, Cause fair is obviously subjective at the moment, given what's going on. But um, Ricky Lee mate, Lee raises a very good point about not only what this does to the uh, veteran observers and veteran fans of the sport like ourselves, but for you, obviously you've been aware of formula one and dipped in and out, but um, this season in particular, you've been very much more invested in this championship battle that I suppose because of what Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen has done. It's, it's so hard to ignore that. So as with all due respect, a more casual fans perspective that you may have, 
how does this make you feel after seeing such a huge championship battle to the likes of which that we've rarely seen in Formula One history and, you know, is certainly up there with the all-time great battles that we've ever seen, for it to end in such a disappointing fashion, not necessarily over Lewis Hamilton perhaps being robbed of his eighth world title, but for the fact that, as we'd already mentioned, we were ended up in a situation that just didn't give Lewis a fair chance to defend his crown against Max Verstappen, who just seemed inevitable that he was going to win. I mean, it was a screw job from the FIA. Um, they manipulated the result for viewing, for ratings. If you're going to break your own rules, you need to break your own rules to benefit both teams. So if you're allowing Max to only overtake five cars instead of the rest of them, then you should have been enabled DRS from the get-go instead of waiting two, two laps after the safety car. If you're going to break rules, you might as well break all of them. So you might as well bring the DRS in to give Hamilton at least a fighting chance on them 35-lap old tyres that he had. Um, I mean, I can't, for the life of me, look back and see a bigger screw job in sports, in any other sport, than what you got yesterday with Lewis. Um, fair play to Max. I've, I've got nothing against Max. I don't particularly like him, but it's, he's not. He's a bit dangerous on the track. But that, that's another day conversation. Um, I see you said that he had a fair race. That's because he got nowhere near Lewis all race um, to do anything that he tends to do every week. I just think if I was Lewis Hamilton, I'd be really, really disappointed. And let's be honest, the career he's had in F1 brings fans in every season, how good he is. To then destroy and, let's be honest, mug off someone that's heavily built up F1 over the last couple of years, put it where it is on the map. To go to do that to someone that could have broke a record of winning eight titles in a row, uh, not in a row, but eight titles, to take over the record. I mean, it was just, it's embarrassing. I mean, new people that don't really watch it, like, like, like myself, I don't watch every race or whatnot. But it just turns you off. Why am I going to, well, why don't I want to watch a screw job every week? Because that's, that's what, it's going to now be, drivers are going to think, What's the rules? We don't know the rules now. So can we make our own rules up every race? It's one of them ones. Yeah, I think the ambiguity over the ruling and the regulations, and, and even now when I'm sort of looking at this, I'm, it's crazy because everybody on social media, everybody involved in F1, whether you're a fan, whether you're a driver, whether you're in the, the paddock or you're in Abu Dhabi this weekend, wherever you are, everyone decides to become a social media lawyer. Um, or, or a sports lawyer overnight and it's nuts because this isn't a dig at people doing this but all I saw was loads and loads of snippets of the FIA regulations article 48.12 article 48.13 article 15.3 this article that article I almost feel like I could memorize them back to front now word for word it, it's it's crazy how much I've seen in that and but these are the things people point to and as you pointed out Rick like these rules are so open to interpretation. And even when I was reading them, part of me thought, am I right in understanding this in that, you know, the FIA, are they breaking the rules? Are they misinterpreting the rules? Are they making this up as they go along? Maybe it's all of them. 
And what we ended up with was a situation that nobody was happy with. And as you pointed out, Rickley and uh, Ricky and Lee and Courtney have already mentioned that even though Max Verstappen has deservedly won this world championship for his efforts throughout the entire season, not necessarily through one lap or uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in isolation on his own, but there will be a lot of people that will go as far as to discredit him or to say that he is not a worthy champion because of the way in which he won when he did absolutely nothing wrong. And and even when he was in that position where he had a crack at Lewis Hamilton on the last lap of the championship where he couldn't defend him, he still had to get the job done. And he did that fairly, uh, you know, so it, it's one of those that it's, leaves a sour taste in my mouth as well. And Courtney, you're going to weigh in this as well. So yeah, I will open I, the floor to I, you I, on I, this. Yeah, I, I think another set of people that we really need, really need to spare a fault for are the mechanics and designers at Mercedes. Um, it's no secret that these regulation changes were brought in to slow down Mercedes. We've seen it happen many times in the past, most notably with um, with Ferrari in 2005. I'm not saying this is a personal thing against Mercedes. It's something we've seen happen time and time again. But what Mercedes have done this season, the catch-up with Red Bull, the way they have, has been simply impressive. That will have taken weeks and weeks and weeks of hard work from these people to get that car to level it was at. They won the last three races. It's been a long old season. And for the season to be, to be decided by the referee is absolutely, absolutely disgraceful. And you know what? You don't want to be seeing challenges. and You don't want to be seeing a result be decided in court. But for those people that have put in all that work, just for it to be taken away because the FIA wanted to have a gimmick so they they get more views on a Netflix series, because that's what it is now, it's a Netflix series. It's absolutely disgraceful. Can you imagine if you put in a work on a project all year, put hours, hours, long shifts, and then you just have somebody coming from the outside take it away from you? It's an absolute disgrace. Mm. Well, this is it. Um, you know, you mentioned Mercedes, obviously the work they've put in amongst everybody else this season. They are the constructors' champions. But I haven't seen them actually mention that or celebrate that or anything like that on social media. Have, I, have any of you guys seen on their social media ce- celebrating the no. constructors' championship? Because I haven't. No. Um, and it's crazy, you know, that how much this has really affected everybody. And, and I'm not surprised, you know how it's sort of spiralled out on social media or in the mainstream media, in the press all over, in the UK. You can't go anywhere without seeing a newspaper with Lewis Hamilton's picture on it saying that he's been robbed or this championship is tainted or the FIA have screwed Lewis and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's such a shame. It really is because we have been treated to one of the greatest rivalries and one of the greatest seasonal battles that we have ever seen between two, one of which is already the all-time great, maybe the greatest of all time, against another who's certainly well on his way to establishing a legacy. And of course, this World Championship will go a long way to help him on that cause. It probably won't be the first of many for Max Verstappen. Um, But look, uh, we've been talking about this for a little while already. Um, I want to break this down for the benefit of those of you that, you know, either saw it and you weren't sure what was going on um, and some of you that may have not seen exactly what was going on uh, and obviously needs a bit more clarification what we're talking about. So I want to fast forward the race all the way to lap 52 it was, or lap 53, something like that, uh, where Nicholas Latifi obviously was having a bit of a battle with Mick Schumacher, completely unrelated to obviously what happens next. 
I think we need to get this one out of the way because I've seen a lot of people criticise Mick Schumacher in this part for his battle. People trying to draw connections saying, oh, Mick Schumacher was doing it to inadvertently help protect his father's legacy, which I, I think that's a, that is a stretch and a half. I will say it that is. right now. Um let alone the Latifi involvement. But that's ridiculous. But then, of course, we get to Nicholas Latifi a few corners later. So bear in mind, these two don't make contact at all. Schumacher's beat Latifi. He's going on his way. And Latifi has made a mistake out of one of the final corners in the final sector, and he's binned it in the wall. Um, So that's brought out the safety car. And which, you know, we all agree, this seemed like the sensible decision to do. But of course, there was a race against time. We were running out of laps. I think we had four or five laps left of the race when the safety car was called out. So there was a race against time to get this car out of the way so that we didn't have to finish the race behind the safety car and, of course, end the world championship in that manner by extension in the same way that we did in 2012 in Brazil when Sebastian Vettel won the championship behind the safety car. And um, what happened next was Max Verstappen, obviously, had plenty of a gap to his teammate Sergio Perez in third place, went into the pit lane, put on a brand new set of soft tyres with the intention that he was going to try and attack Lewis Hamilton before the end of the race in a last gasp move to try and win the championship. It was a real stretch to think that he could actually pull that off because there was a load of lap cars, five of which, in fact, that were between him and Lewis Hamilton. Now, normally under the safety car, It's not a mandated rule, but one of the things that we come to expect with safety cars in this circumstance is that the lap cars, all of the lap cars, are allowed to unlap themselves, overtake the leader, so that we get to a point where we restart the race, where the leader and whoever's behind him in second place and third, etc., are all together on the same piece of track. They haven't got to navigate any back cars, back markers on the restart. And the reason we normally do this is not necessarily just to affect the racing, but it's also a safety issue as well, because if everybody's bunched up together... The last thing you want is a scenario where there's a potential for a crash because you've got back markers trying to fight amongst each other. As we saw on the track, we had that situation with the Alpines, the, I think Charles Leclerc, and I think one of the McLarens as well. You don't want them getting in each other's way or you know, uh, crashing into each other whilst they're trying to get out of the leader's way, but also at the same time fighting posi- for position. So that's not an uncommon thing to happen. What ended up happening was on lap 56, I believe it was, um, the race director announced that no lap cars will be overtaking the leader, meaning that one or two things was going to happen. Either the race was going to be restarted uh, on lap 57, possibly, or lap 58, or the race was going to finish behind the safety car. That said, I think a lot of people probably disappointed because they wanted the lap cars to be removed so that we could have a fight between Max and Lewis, but it didn't happen. So at this point, one of those two scenarios were likely to happen. What then happened was incredibly, incredibly controversial. And this followed a radio broadcast uh, between Christian Horner and Michael Massey. And before I say this, I do want to put a disclaimer out because I'm not implying here at this point that Christian Horner or anyone at Red Bull uh, influences what Michael Massey, the race director, does next. Because Christian Horner says, why are these cars not uh, overtaking the lead? Why are the lap cars not overtaking the leader? And then Michael Massey basically says, Christian, the priority right now is to get Latifi out of the way so we can go racing. So it does that. We then get to lap 57. And then what happens after that is absolutely crazy. They then decide, after saying that no lap cars will overtake the leader to unlap themselves, they then change their minds to saying that the lap cars will now overtake the leader, but not all of the lap cars. There was five. 
only the five cars between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Then what happens is even crazier, because as we understand, according to Article 48.12, and again, I'm going to really summarise this, once the lap cars have been instructed that they can overtake the leader, and it says any lap card, so your interpretation of that can differ from one way or the other, we will then have one additional lap followed under the safety car before the race is restarted. But that didn't happen. What ended up happening was once those lap cars overtook Lewis, meaning there were no cars between Verstappen and Hamilton, the message to say the safety car was coming in on the very same lap, meaning that we weren't following that rule properly and that we were going to have one final lap of the race of the championship where Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen could do battle for the title. Bearing in mind, Max Verstappen was already on new soft tyres, low fuel, basically in qualifying mode, against Lewis Hamilton that had been on hard tyres had done almost 40 laps. So he had no chance to defend against Max. And then what happened on the final lap, as we all saw, Max Verstappen passed Lewis Hamilton into turn five and drove off and became the world champion. Now, forgive me, guys, I know that sounded a bit like a monologue or a summary of events, but as you can imagine, and for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see some of my guests shaking their heads as I'm sort of going through the events as they sort of happened. Basically, that's kind of where the controversy is. Now, to get back into the discussion, what I want to make the point of all of this, and as a fan, and I'm going to put my point across first before I come to our guest on this one, is there was a period on lap 56 where we could have ended up with a very similar scenario to what we actually got, where on lap 56, if the stewards or if Michael Massey or the clerk of the race, as they've been referred to in this circumstance, allowed the lap cars, all of the lap cars, not just those five between Max and Lewis, to overtake the leader, unlap themselves. And then, of course, we have another lap following the safety car, as the protocol would require us to do under the regulation of Article 48.12, we would still end up with one final lap where we could restart the race, end up with the same scenario. Max beats Lewis. Let's assume he does in this case, as he did in real life and becomes world champion in my opinion as harsh as that is on Lewis Hamilton under the circumstances even that would be a lot fairer than what we ended up getting the big problem is that they because they didn't do that and then change their mind a lap later it creates all of this controversy all of this shambles everything that we are complaining and moaning about as fans of the sport to the point where Lewis Hamilton was effectively robbed of an eighth world title. Now, look, I've said a lot over the last five or so minutes, however long it was to get that all out of the way. That being said, and what I've just mentioned on my theory and what they should have done on that 56, Courtney, I'm going to come to you first on this one. How did you see that? Do you think that would have been a more sensible way to approach this? Or do you think there was other ways? Because there's other things they could have done. They could have finished the race under the safety car. They could have red flagged it. Where was your head at with that part? And obviously the confusion of what they actually did. Well, yeah, there's various issues here. Um, there were there were several solutions, and they come up with the worst possible one, in my opinion. I think another issue here is the stewarding, not just in this race, but the stewarding about throughout this season has been disgraceful, and has actually tainted this battle, and has created, in my opinion, has actually create has helped create the toxicity that is within the fan base, and because of the decisions that they made yesterday, is going to rumble on into next season. We was on the verge of having some kind of peace after the season that we've had because obviously Max Verstappen fans would have been disappointed, but Lewis had done had put in a great performance. He clearly had a pace advantage. 
and is just going to slowly see out race. Obviously, that that didn't happen, and now we're going to have this stupidity go on throughout throughout the winter break and into next season. And it's just, and, and, and as I said, for those of you that are into football, I do believe that Michael Massey is like Mike Dean. He's made it all about him yet again. You've had the outcome of the championship decided by the referee. I, I, honestly, the more the more I think about it, even a day on, it just makes me angry even thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, for the benefit of this argument, as I said, the solutions that we had, um, the red flag, the one what I mentioned at the beginning where they could have actually done what they ended up doing a lap earlier and stayed within the regulations and it wouldn't have been fine, not to confuse everyone. Would, for Hypothetically speaking, in your mind, would that have been a fairer way to go about it if they actually did that? rather than saying no lap cars overtake and then all of a sudden a handful of them rather than all of them on the next one. The indes- the indecision would have had an effect on the outcome of the race. In my in my opinion, it could have affected the strategy that the Mercedes went for. You know, we discussed before we come on air that possibly Mercedes wouldn't have been keen to be behind Max because we've seen what's happened throughout the season. You're right. But we wouldn't we wasn't given that option because Mercedes made their decision based on the regulations that they've been learning. And they just changed their mind last minute. I don't want to take away like all of the points because I'm sure, you know, Lee and Ricky have plenty to say themselves. But I'm just I'm gonna leave it there because it's it's rotten. It's absolutely wrong. Although I haven't had a chance to say that this doesn't take anything away from the efforts that Max has put in. I do have my issues with how he drives sometimes. I have a massive issue with his management at Red Bull. That hasn't changed. If anything, it has confirmed what I already feel about Red Bull as a team. I'm not going to take that away. But for Max, he's a talented driver. He has a great future ahead of him. But the result of this World Championship absolutely stinks. Mm. Lee, um, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to bring you into this one as well because I've been saying quite a lot in this one as well. Based on what I've put forward and what Courtney has mentioned as well, um, was there a right way or a better way in which they could have done this without resorting to having to say no lap cars overtake and then a lap later a handful of them rather than the rest and following the protocol rather than the situation that we actually got? Well, uh, I, I do um, agree with... Um, Courtney's point um, about Mercedes would have made an informed decision based on the rules and the regulations of the, we expect the car to be this long then once the once they've cleared up say that's three lap, and then they have to let the lapped cars pass and then they have to come a lap we don't have to worry about changing our tyres we don't have to get up track position because this is going to be a safety car finish that's the correct strategy because that's what's in the rules and then when you change the rules you get this situation Um that's how I see it. But uh, I decided a further add on. Uh, I think the last time I was on, we were talking about um, acronyms of the FIA. And one that uh, come up is um, oh, can't that. fixing international autosport, <laughs> is the, the current anagram uh, of the FIA. And that, that's how I see it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't the only way that they, they could have come out of this in, in the correct way is if they followed the rules be it your solution, be it the solution that Mercedes expected, even the red flag, because then that would be all the rules and there's no argument against Red Bull or Mercedes complaining that the result wasn't fair within the rules. But as you said, they t- they chose the worst solution possible, and which is the bit that makes no sense. Yeah. 
I, I think Netflix was one that I'd heard um, that someone chucked in, but uh, obviously it wasn't related to DFI. It was just a clever pun on Netflix, I suppose, um, on the Drive to Survive series that we should mention. Although we should stress, even though we're all of the agreement that entertainment was certainly put at the priority of what happened rather than the actual integrity of the sport itself and the competition, that Netflix obviously had no direct involvement. I think we should stress that because... We don't want to get sued by Netflix or anything like that for saying that they were involved. Um, you know, we have to be careful about what we say on these shows. I know sometimes we're a little bit open with our opinions and sometimes pushing it a little bit sometimes. But uh, yeah, you don't want to get sued before we just got started. So yeah. Um, but Rick, I'm going to bring you in as well on this one. Um, as I said, we I've chucked around a few ideas. Courtney's chucked around one or two. Lee's obviously commenting on this as well. Um, in an ideal world, would, would any of those solutions work in your mind or do you feel that there was any solution that the FIA or the stu- or Michael Massey could have done that would have provided us with a fair and integral finish to this championship first and foremost he should be sacked um, I agree it was theft so we should mm-hmm. be sacked um, I think you've got two I would have done it two other ways so I would have red flagged it early on so then it gives Lewis a chance to change the tyres up so that he could defend his position that little bit more. Um, I think basically what they did, they just sent Lewis Hamilton to the slaughter with what they did. Or if you're going to break your own rules and make your own rules up as you go along, why not red flag it, stop it again. You say to Mercedes and Red Bull, it's going to be Lewis and Max, the only two on the track on the restart. Lewis starts in pole. Max second, both on new tyres. They go four laps round between themselves and hash it out between themselves to make it fair. By you putting Lewis in that position where he's on, I mean, 40 lap tyres, um, the bloke looked like he didn't even understand his own rules at the FIA. I think he was just sitting there laughing to himself and the conversation with someone. Um, for me, it's a fake title that Max has won. I've got nothing against Max has done superb this season. You can't take it away from him. Um, he's pushed Lewis all the way, but it's a fake title. You put one of them autorist signs by the side of it. Um, in, in terms of football terms, when Liverpool won the league title during the COVID season, everyone was saying it's not a real title because there's no fans or whatnot. It's a fake title. Let's put a little star next to it. That's what they should do to Max's title. It's, it's, it's not a fair title. I've seen leaked audio today of Hamilton going round. I think it was the second from last corner mm. and it's a manipulation what they've done he sounded like from the bursting tears like he's been robbed let's make no mistake of it it's robbery it's daylight robbery someone needs to take the fall for it that Michael Massey has had no control over he's the one I mean He's done nothing. Like I've not going to sit here and say I've watched all season. I think I've watched the last seven to eight races, and the races I've watched, he's had no control over. Um, that Christian Horner seems to do what he wants. If Toro, Toro Wilson, another one, he, he pipes up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But you could just see it now. The Netflix series of Hamilton being overtaken 
and you've got Total Wolf on the radio, radio shouting, no, Michael, no, Michael, this ain't fair, this is not right, this is not the rules. That will be the trailer for the Netflix series. It's beyond it's right. a joke. It, it, it's, it's corrupt. It's like FIFA. FIFA and UEFA are corrupt, but FIA seem more corrupt because they've done it to benefit them, not the race drivers. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's certainly a lot to unpack from that. Um, it, it, it's the problem, isn't it, with, with the Max Verstappen situation in that, you know, he's won a world championship. This is something he's worked his entire life for. And whether people agree or not that he's deserving of the title. I mean, I'll say this right now, you know, based on what we've seen this entire season, when it's all said and done, both of them deserve to win this world championship for different reasons. Um, Lewis certainly did not deserve to lose the title in that circumstance. And I don't imagine Max Verstappen would have wanted to have won the title um, the way that he did. That being said, um, I will argue that over the course of the season, I think Max Verstappen out of the two has probably deserved it a little bit more. But that's that you know that's just based on the whole season um and you can't argue that lewis's comeback was incredible and would have been very fitting if he had crossed the line to win a world championship for the eighth time and arguably in my opinion probably would have been his greatest achievement in formula one um given the competition and what he's been up against this year and how he's had to overcome so much adversity and the issues with the car and that to the point where Yes, you could argue they're the best package from Silverstone, but it's taken them so long to get to the point where Lewis could actually extract that pace because Lewis has had to do so much to get that performance and stay in the fight incredibly um, despite all the setbacks. So there's so many ways you can look at it. And unfortunately, as we said, there's all this ambiguity. There's going to be asterisks over this and that and everything else. And it's just robbing everybody of a fair result and a fair fight. And that has been orchestrated by coincidence or probably more by design in this case, um, by a race director and stewards, by extension as well, that have decided to not get involved in certain moments between these two and then save themselves to the very last moment to get involved in the worst way possible. And as I said, we can, we can chuck so many different ways in which what they could have done. They could have red flagged it. Not that I'm a fan of it, but they could have done. Um, they could have they could have done what I mentioned earlier on lap 56. They could have left let the safety car go to the end of the race, um, but they did none of those things. They ended up doing the worst thing of the lot. They might as well just put Max Verstappen's car, plopped it in front of Lewis Hamilton, and said, "There you go, done." Um, but look, we talked also about Toto Wolf. Uh, we should mention he had some stuff to say on the radio, not just during when that was all going on. There was an earlier incident. I think it was a virtual safety car because Giovinazzi's car was parked up to retire. And he was saying, Michael, don't make this a safety car. I, I want to get your thoughts on this sort of thing, guys, because I said we mentioned Christian Horner. We mentioned Toto Wolf, their comments. We're seeing a lot now of these messages being broadcasted between Mercedes, Red Bull and the FIA or the race director in this case. Something that we don't normally see. It's, it's happened for a long, long time. We've only started seeing it this season. How do you feel about this sort of thing? Because I'm not quite comfortable now about seeing so many messages broadcasted between Red Bull, Mercedes and the FA. It's, and it's not really the other teams. It's usually just these two. Um, where we see messages that try to influence what the referees are doing or the, or the, or the race director is doing or trying to argue a case. It's just got ridiculous now. And it almost seems like they're trying to influence decision-making. Courtney, um, what are your thoughts on this one? Are you comfortable with this, or do you think they should just get rid of it and stop them from trying to influence the decision of the stewards in this case? 
No, just following on from what uh, Ricky was saying, I, you know, I, I don't think that Michael Massey is up to the job. I think he's, look, you, you can be as qualified as you want, but I just think in the heat of the moment, I think he's weak. It's not, we didn't only see it um, last night, we also saw it in Jeddah, where you're talking about bargaining. Like, what is this? Like, there's, there, there's one thing talking about entertainment, Valley, which, which is an issue in its own right. But he's like, he's trying his best to appease both sides because he doesn't want the heat. Look, we've been fed up all season with Toto Wolf and particularly Christian Orner, a.k.a. Karen Orner, a.k.a. Winter Spice, right? It's been an absolute, absolute farce throughout the season. And it was always a fear that the way they've been going on all season, particularly Orner, was going to have an influence on the season. We, we knew, when, when I saw that broadcast from that like, Christian Orner trying to influence it, I, I had a really bad feeling in the gut that he's going to get what he wants because, you know what, they're big whinging, but particularly Christian Orner, he hasn't stopped whinging throughout this turbo hybrid era because he went from having a car that dominated to a car that's been getting slapped every single season. He's been trying to manipulate the regulations every single way he can. And I'm going to bring you into this one, Adam, where we saw both... Mercedes and Red Bull team up on Ferrari to uh, investigate their engine. This has been an ongoing thing for years and it's come to the boiling point. And I just I just think there should maybe be some kind of representation of a team. It shouldn't actually be the managers because we'll take it to football again. It's the equivalent of the managers on the touchline having direct radio communication with the referee trying to decide VAR moments. It shouldn't be happening. You know, I don't often say this enough, Courtney, but I absolutely love you. That is hilarious, Winger Spice. That is so funny. Um, that's 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 made my day. That is. Um, but y- you know, you're right. You know, and it's come from both sides. As I said, I was you know giving examples for both. You know, I can't say, and I'm not going to put my my neck on the line and say that what Christian Horner said to Michael Massey on lap fifty uh, lap fifty uh, was it fifty six where he said, Oh, why are you not allowing lap cars to go through? I can't say and I'm definitely not going to suggest that that influenced his decision. And I'm certainly not going to say that, you know, Total Wolf's comments earlier about the virtual safety car was influencing Michael Massey to not make a safety car. Not that I felt that Giovanazzi's car warranted one. Um but I am going to agree with you very, very strongly that given all the moaning and the back and forth that we've seen, and this is a normal part of F1, I just think it's been normally, it's been broadcasted so much more, um, and it's got to a point where it's got quite dirty sometimes in this fight between Max and Lewis, and it's not necessarily been them that's been the problem, it's been everyone around them, um, in their teams and their management, etc, etc, you know, call it what you want. But it's just got so, so silly, and I don't think team principals or anyone should be able to influence the decision of the stewards and referee. There should be the level of integrity should be maintained. And one way of doing that to avoid situations like what we got is to prevent them from having that direct line to them that they're they're going to be trying to contact them all the time or saying, oh, this is wrong or this is wrong. You need to do that. You need to do that. It's just mad. I mean, but you're shaking your head and it, you're familiar with the analogy with football, for example, where you see managers getting waved away or getting red carded for trying to approach the referee or influence him in any way. And yet in Formula One, you have a direct phone line where you can just get on the radio and say, you're wrong, do this, do this, do this, whilst he's trying to manage a motor race. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on all that? So you wouldn't have all that issues if you had a strong man in charge who knew the rules, who knew what he was doing, who could control everyone around him from the paddock to the control room where he's hiding. Um, I just want to get this out there as well to all the Max fanboys. I don't support Lewis. I mean, you'd be very shocked who 
my favourite race driver is. It's nothing to do with Mercedes, but I just don't like robbery and theft. But going back to the communication, I, I do believe it will work if you have someone in charge that can handle it. And Christian Horner and Toto Wolf are very big personalities um, who like to get their point across. Like They showed the best bits of the F1 season after everything that was happening. And you had someone, and Christian Horner said that if I had Mercedes's engine, if I was Toto Wolf, I'd keep my mouth shut. And then it went on to... Christian Horner's a winch bag, a wimp bag as well, or something like that, he said. So they're very big personalities that you're going to... You see Jurgen Klopp for Liverpool on the touchline, giving it to the fourth official week in, week out. And they're strong. They don't take it. They just ignore it, let it go, let it, let it crack on. And I'll get with Total Wolf saying on the radio, don't let a safety car determine this. Because you didn't need a safety car for that one incident. With, is it Giannazzi that was Giannazzi, yeah yeah that was off the track nowhere near um, racing line or anything like that so that was fair with what was going on on the second when they did bring the safety car out he should have just turned his radio off he ain't got to listen to them two giving him it down the radio while he's trying to sort everything out he's the boss he should make the decisions and he didn't he, he seemed to just wing it like you might as well tap me up there if you're gonna just do what he did. I mean, I could have done the same thing, but he gets paid what he gets paid. But I do feel sorry for the other drivers and the other teams on the track because they don't get the same coverage as Mercedes and Red Bull. That Michael Massey just probably turns everyone else's communication line off to him off because they're not that important. Um, they're not bringing the viewers in. They're not bringing the money in. But like I said. I'm not to the Max fanboys. I'm not a Lewis fan. I'm not a Max fan. I'm not a Mercedes fan. I'm not a Red Bull fan. I just don't like what happened yesterday. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, as I said, it's a lot to unpack from all of that. Mazepin for champion. Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's a good point, actually. Uh, Nikita Mazepin obviously wasn't able to race because he uh, tested positive for COVID. Hopefully he's doing okay. Um, and, you know, it was a shame he couldn't finish the season. But, you know, for him, you can always look back on what he's learned and hopefully come back stronger next season but um good point you made there Ricky you know and it was true on the broadcast we didn't see too much of the rest of the competition it was mostly centered around Lewis and Max and of course we had Checo Perez Sergio Perez some brilliant defensive teamwork I must say and and we're going to get into that actually I think there's a good time to try and move this a little bit we'll come back to it later on um this you know the controversy with Lewis and Max and obviously what happens next and obviously how we got to where we are but I do want to talk about that um part from Checo Perez um, because, of course, it was midway in the race. Um, Checo had not stopped for new tyres. Um, Max had already pitted because he was on the softer tyres, which is obviously the uncompromising strategy. And he lost the lead from the start because Lewis got a great getaway. And Max obviously wasn't able to retake the lead. But then, of course, we got to the point where they both stopped. And Lewis caught up to Checo Perez. And I think it was about 11 or so seconds, 12 seconds, the gap between Max and Lewis at this point. And then for about two laps, once Lewis caught Checo Perez, I- I'm not going to lie, guys. I think, and I, and I don't mean this out of disrespect when I say this, but the whole season, I think it's fair to say that Sergio Perez has very, very rarely been able to put himself in a position where he's played the team game for Max Verstappen. 
But my oh my, when he was in that position against Lewis Hamilton in Abu Dhabi, I'll honestly say that has made up for the whole season of not being able to support Max to the point where he managed to take 10 seconds off for Lewis with some brilliant driving to the point where, yes, it could be considered a little bit dangerous at certain points, but he kept putting his car in positions where he just made it impossible for Lewis to overtake him and slowed him down so much to the point where when they got out of turn five, you saw Max right behind him and that was as ominous an image as I think I'd saw this weekend up to that point in the Grand Prix. Um, I mean, guys, what do you, what do you make of that driving? Uh, Courtney, what did you make of that driving from Perez? Were you in, obviously, you know, with a Lewis interest in this, obviously it wasn't the most fun thing for you to watch, but you've got to appreciate what Checo was able to do for Max, get him back into the fight almost. Yeah, obviously Perez did a, did a good job, but I think what we saw over this weekend I think this is exactly why Valtteri Bottas has been replaced. Because over the season, yeah, he's probably done more than Perez. But it's such an important qualifying session to qualify. Was it sixth? I think it's sixth. It was completely, it was just completely out of the picture. And that's exactly why they're bringing in George Russell. It's it's as simple as that, really. You know, don't want to be too harsh on, on Valtteri Bottas because a lot has been said this season. But for me, what happened this weekend completely sums it up. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point as well. Um, uh, Lee, what are your thoughts on this as well? Because Courtney's raised a really good point in that what we saw from Checo Perez, as brilliant as it was, and, you know, to the point where Max said he was a legend, you know, he, and Christian Horner as well, you know, singing Checo's praises in a season that's not been the easiest for him. Um, but Bottas equally whilst for a while it seemed like Bottas had done the better job over the course of the season. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw Valtteri Bottas do anything like that for Lewis Hamilton, at least um, to try and get his teammate back in the race when it seemed like they were well beat on pace. Yeah, and to start with Checo, I mean, as a driver, I do like Checo, especially um, from his false India days. But you, you talk about the defence's piece of the season, and you would have said Alonso in Hungary. But I would have said, oh, that defensive piece of driving, that was probably equal to, or if not better, than Alonso's defensive masterclass. Because right, Alonso held up Lewis in, in Budapest. But yeah, 10 seconds in two laps, that, well, that, was, that was just wonderful driving. I thoroughly enjoyed it as much as I wanted, personally, wanted Lewis to get past him as quick as he could. I appreciated that with some really good driving between the two. There weren't any risk of clashing or going in deep or um, going outside the white lines. I do want to add that in. They were within the track limits. I oh, saw it's done. Mm. Have a look. Have a look, yeah. Max. Yeah, no, that was really beautiful driving between the two of them. Um, yeah, but on the on the battery, but it's I, I agree with Corny. It's he he can bring in the points, but in in this year he just hasn't been there. Oh uh, yeah. Valtteri, hold up, Max. Oh, sorry, yeah, you, Max has already passed. Valtteri, <laughs> you did it just place him. Oh, Max has already passed. Um, he, he's already, he switched off, which is easy, easy possible. Um, he, or he just isn't as skillful as people may have thought. I'm sure he is very skillful because he's obviously one of the, the best drivers in the world. But yeah, he's, Valtteri's never done that performance that Sergio done. No, I can only, I can only think back to Monza. 20 was it 2018 in Monza where Bottas did anything close to that for Lewis and, and of course you know we should stress yeah. that you know whilst Valtteri obviously has now left the Mercedes team 
Um, and there was a nice little message on the dash when they asked him to change to Strat 77 or something like that. And they left a thank you Valtteri message on the dash, which was quite nice. Um, you know, to reflect his services and what he's done for the team. And obviously another Constructors' Championship that he has played a part of. I think he's got a 100% record with the team in that regard. Um, you're absolutely right in that those are the sorts of things that Valtteri really could have done a bit more for Lewis. Sochi comes to mind, I think, first of all, when Max was at the back of the field with Valtteri and Valtteri basically let Max go almost as if they were teammates. Um, and, and it's been that kind of thing this season um that has perhaps convinced Mercedes that you know whilst they love Valtteri and have so much respect for what he has done for the team ultimately he has proven that he's not been quite sufficient enough in the number two role to protect the number one driver that Lewis has needed that protection this season um and and if that was the case maybe Lewis could have won this championship a bit earlier in this fight the way it's all transpired we'll never know um, but, you know, there is a few that could have helped him a bit more. Um, Rick, what were your thoughts on Perez's driving in that circumstance? Um, I mean, I suppose, borrowing a football analogy, it's a bit like parking the bus quite literally in Formula One. Yeah, fair play. Like, I thought once Lewis got past him on one of the turns, I thought that was it. He was going to leave him behind because of how quick Lewis was. But he got back in front of him um, and then he held him up for a little bit longer. And then Lewis finally got past him, but it was for me it was a, a bit too long than what it should have been. Um, but going back to Bottas, I mean, is there a worse wingman out there than him at the minute? I mean, you could have stuck someone in the crowd in that car and they might have put a bit more of a fight up than than what um, he's done for Lewis. Like every time, one of the last six or seven races that I watched, Lewis always goes on the radio. Where's Valtteri? And if I'm the Mercedes guy, I'd just be like, Lewis, you know, mate, is what it is, isn't it? So I, I don't get what Lewis was expecting for them to turn around and say, yeah, he's right behind Max, or, yeah, he's just in front of Max holding him up. But it was, it, you, you say it was Mercedes versus Red Bull, it was more Lewis Hamilton versus Red Bull. I mean, was he driving a Mercedes car this season? Because he just seemed so slow. He was sitting behind the two Ferraris. He was sitting behind Lando Norris. They haven't got the fastest cars. You're driving a Mercedes, who's known to have the fastest cars for the last five to six years. Um, You've dominated the sport. But you're driving like you've got a horse at the back. I mean, no wonder why they're getting rid of him. Um, I'm sure they put that thank you message in there to say thank you for yeah. Bye. Um, thanks for your efforts. Sitting seventh. I mean, who who qualifies fourth or fifth in a Mercedes and then drops down to eighth? It's funny because <laughs> I, I can imagine what you were about to say. Then you just stop yourself. Yeah, um, I mean, it's quite. It's, I, I won't go to the length of it's embarrassing, but come on, man, you're driving the number one car in the sport, and you're pretty much showing that you, you're a bad driver. I mean, we should. Ex- we're probably going to expect a lot better from Valtteri next season. I think when he's going to be an environment at Alfa Romeo in a way that Vettel's found himself at Aston Martin this season, that you know the attention will be very much around him. Of course, of course, he'll have his teammate Guan Yu Zhou, which of course he will get a lot of attention owing to the backing he has had, and obviously he will need to adjust very, very quickly, and I'm sure he will do so. But um, you know, despite the fact that you certainly don't hold back, Rick, and I love that about you. Um, 
it is quite funny on this show uh, to have you on to do that. But um, it's it has felt for me that Valtteri, whilst he has driven a lot better since he's had that contract at Alfa Romeo confirmed, um, ultimately there are times when you really need him to deliver for, in this case for Lewis, I suppose playing the teammate role um, and you really need to get stuck in you're not doing yourself any favours when you're qualifying down, was it 6th or 7th, and then you're falling even further back to the point where you're not even in the race. And then it's even worse when your teammate who's trying to win the World Championship is up against not only Max Verstappen, but Sergio Perez, who did a remarkable job for Max uh, in that race as well. Um, I mean, we should mention Perez, of course, he had to retire before the end. He was set for a podium, but he retired. Apparently, it was an oil pressure issue. Um, I'm not 100% sure if this is true, but apparently Red Bull was sensing an issue on his car that was getting worse and worse to the point where they felt he wasn't going to finish the race and decided to retire the car to the surprise of Sergio Perez, who didn't see what was going on, purely because they did not want him parking on the circuit and extending the safety car, period, to the point where they probably would have finished and it would have ruined Max's chances to win the World Championship. So, again, don't quote me on that, guys. It's what I've heard. Um, Again, look, you know, it's... It's not the nicest thing to happen to Perez, but it's very clever from Red Bull, really, to do that because, of course, that you know prevents them from losing the championship in that regard. And ultimately, it worked. Um, not accounting for everything else that the FIA and, and Michael Massey did in addition to that, but you know, Red Bull playing their cards correctly, and that's what that's all you can say. Fair play. Um, just a bit unfortunate for Checo not to get a podium at the final race of the season. Um, we should can also I just men- ask one question. Yeah, sure, sure. With what was going on. On the last couple of laps, obviously, what happened to Lewis and Max got the advantage. If you're Bottas, do you not pull a fast one and do something on the track to delay it longer? Well, like, what, you mean just pull over and stop your car? Like, I don't know, hit the wall or something, make well, something fall off the back of your car? Th- th- or do you not, like, well, we'll start stop? Getting, we start getting into the realms, Rick, of um, fixing a result, like a driver doing something deliberately to fit, like... Uh, how can I put this? Yeah, like we're talking like um, Nelson PK Jr. when he uh, deliberately crashed and it was a coded message with his team. And of course, if Valtteri did that on his own volition, then that becomes unsportsmanlike conduct. And whilst you can't take a title away from Lewis in that regard, who, who would benefit from that in the way that Max Verstappen's benefited from the FIA and probably won't have his title removed, yeah. um, that it, it wouldn't be good, especially for Valtteri Bottas when this is his last race and he's moving to another team. You know, so... Whilst that's a, a, a theory, I, I I doubt that would have even crossed Valtteri's mind to even consider doing that, let alone the team advising him, which they wouldn't do. Adam, can I jump in? Yes, 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 please do. So this is exactly what the result causes. Because you know what? In a way, Ricky, you have a right to even come up with that idea because of the because of the way that the result was manipulated. This is This is the dangerous precedent that you're setting moving forward. You, we could be seeing a lot more shenanigans like this because the rules aren't set in stone. They're open to interpretation. They change their mind left, right and centre all the time. So why not? Why, why not? Why not? So if we're in a similar position next season, if we're in the exact same position next season, why can't George Russell do it? Because it just seems that everyone just makes up the rules as they go along. Mm. And a lot of drivers had their say on this. George Russell himself actually said that this was unacceptable, what has happened. Uh, a lot of drivers weren't happy with it. A lot oh. of drivers were confused. Um, but and not just a big George Russell out just because he was mentioned. Um, it was a very, very strange one. But of course, we had a race with other drivers, and we should mention a few others as well. Um, we are going to get back to the Max and Lewis thing in a bit, but I do want to talk about a few other stories if I can, just as a nice little break 
before we get back into that interesting <laughs> topic again. Yes. There's, yeah, Carlos there's, Sainz. Yes, Carlos Sainz. Um, the playboy. <laughs> the smooth <laughs> operator himself. <laughs> P3, though, for Carlos Sainz. And, and as a result ends up winning the midfield battle. He uh, finished P5 in the Drivers' Championship. Not only did he overtake Lando Norris, but he overtook his teammate Charles Leclerc as well. So he beat him at Ferrari this season with a P3. Um, I can't remember how many consecutive points finishes that is for Carlos Sainz this season. It's a remarkable achievement. And I'm going to say, guys, you know, we'll go into driver ratings in a few in a future episode uh, for this season, but... I think that result just solidifies my opinion that Carlos Sainz has been the best driver this season outside Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Um, what did you guys make of Carlos Sainz's performance yesterday and by extension the season as a whole? Um, I think, first of all, I think Carlos Sainz is another person that could feel aggrieved about what happened with the safety cars. The safety car with the cars being removed because he didn't get that luxury. So he could have had an opportunity to challenge at the end of that race for second or maybe even first. He wasn't given that opportunity. But as you said, don't want to go back onto that. So we're going to go back to the what he actually deserves, which is a credit for what he's done this season. And look, I've I've been saying for a while now, I really do expect Ferrari to be strong. If they have the best package, we're going to be seeing a possible another possible Hamilton versus Rosberg with these two drivers because Leclerc won't be happy. Leclerc was the main man at Ferrari. You know, after the celebrations at Monza. Um, a couple of seasons ago, where he effectively took over from Sebastian Vettel as the main man at Ferrari. He has kind of been dethroned, be it in a low-key level. Carlos Sainz has come along and performed on a level. We don't know how the car next year might, it might suit Charles Leclerc better. We'll, we'll see. But based on this form, Carlos Sainz could be in a running for a world championship. If you years a season, I would have laughed at you because I, I think, you know, he had some decent moments. But I think from the moment that he joined McLaren, he's been fantastic and he deserves to be at the level that he is right now. Mm. And, and consistency is key. And that has been the mantra for Carlos Sainz this season. That has been, if you could sum up his season, that is pretty much how you would sum it up. He's been so brilliant, so consistent. I think that's his third podium this season as well. So, you know, great job from him. Absolutely really impressed with him. I mean, Car- um, Charles Leclerc, obviously very unlucky yesterday. Uh, tried to take advantage of the VSC put on the medium tyres, and, and it didn't really work for him. He ended up being outside the top 10, got lapped, and that completely ruined his race. Um, it's been a very up-and-down season for him, but uh, taking nothing away from Carlos Sainz, who's been absolutely brilliant for Ferrari this season. Hopefully that continues for you know for both of them for Ferrari next season. I'll certainly have an interest in that. Uh, Lee, uh, what are your thoughts on Carlos Sainz this season? And let's not forget, um, before we get into that, that there was a time in the race where he was doing a good job holding up Max Verstappen and upsetting his race, um, not to help Lewis, but for his own gain. Um, but what did you make of Carlos Sainz in the Grand Prix? Certainly a unsung hero. Yeah, he, wonderful driver, completely the radar in aspect. Um, but yeah, he, right, Carlos has been one of the drivers. When he was at Toro Rosso, he held his own max, disappeared into the borderlands, and then McLaren he came on strong. And yeah, Todd and Courtney said. Um, he was supposed to be the the junior two driver, I should say, not the junior in that Ferrari team. But the the wrong Charles is uh, ahead in the drivers' championship. I say the wrong Charles because obviously uh, Carlos is Spanish for Charles, so it's a uh, the deck of Charles in Ferrari. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, it's just a wonderful drive from Carlos. And I, he's really, he really impressed me with McLaren, but how he's the only driver that came into this season and got on top of that Ferrari where Ricardo struggled with McLaren all year. Vettel struggled in the Aston Martin for at least a good first half of the year. You could argue maybe the first quarter. But yeah, Carlos has been really impressive this year. And that race, again, that P3, I can't remember where he qualified, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, but finishing P3, um, it's completely unexpected. And I'm sure Ferrari weren't expecting that P3 um, coming into this weekend. No, you're absolutely rightly. And um, I'm just having a look at the qualifying. Uh, I think he was, P- yeah, P, P, was he P? So I'm saying a lot of P's here. Um, I realise that. No, he was P5, wasn't he, in qualifying? Um, yeah, something I like that. you went for it. I can't remember. No, I'm, I'm just having a look. Because like, for some reason, I thought Charles Leclerc was P4, but he wasn't. No, Science was P5. Um, and then Leclerc was P7. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely right. You know, Carlos Sainz this season has gone from strength to strength. I think there was a, a, a gulf, I suppose, in performance between him and Leclerc in terms of outright pace, but he certainly closed that. And um, while Charles Leclerc has the more dizzying heights in terms of the potential, there is a lack of consistency from him that Carlos Sainz brings to the team and that has ultimately played a huge part in getting P3 in the Constructors' Championship over McLaren. Um, I don't really think there's too much to talk about with McLaren in that regard. Um, With all due respect to them, I mean... Norris ended up in P7, Ricardo was out of the points. I should actually mention that uh, Leclerc did get into P10, actually, so he did get a point, ultimately. Well, he ended up losing out to uh, Norris and Sainz in the championship. So I want to move on to another driver that had a surprisingly good day, um, Yuki Tsunoda. Um, you know, we said this season that Yuki Tsunoda, unlike his teammate, has been a little bit underwhelming as the season has gone on. You know, he's made quite a lot of mistakes, but... Uh, not only did he out-qualify Pierre Gasly for the first time this season. Gasly was so close to getting a clean sweep this year over his teammate, but he, alas, he didn't do it this at this weekend's Grand Prix. And Yuki Tsunoda ended up in P4. Not to mention the fact that he pulled off one of the best overtakes I've seen this season on Valtteri Bottas on the final lap. So it wasn't just Max Verstappen going for glory. Yuki Tsunoda pulled it off brilliantly as well with a huge dive bomb on Bottas. So um what did you guys make of Sonoda's day? Did you see the replay of that overtake? Um <laughs> what did you make of Rick? I'm I'm guessing did you see that? I mean going back Lando Norris is a YouTube driver at, at <laughs> best. I mean every time I see him he's smiling on the the track. I mean it, it just looks like he's doing a YouTube episode. So fair play to him, let him crack on. Um Sonoda, I mean Fair play to the guy. He's one of them that I like at the bottom of the grid. In Mazepin, Schumacher, they, they said they've got the worst cars on the track, but they give it a go. Um, and again, who doesn't overtake bias at the minute? Um, <laughs> I, I see the interview with um, Sonoda at the end of the race when they were telling him that it's, it's a great position that he's finished in. And then they interviewed, they interviewed someone else. Um, he was wearing a Red Bull. I don't know who it was. He was wearing a Red Bull shirt. And he was helping a few of the, say, bottom-tier drivers, giving them advice a little bit. Oh, that would be Alex Albon. Yeah, oh, that was it, yeah. And he sort of gave advice to Sonoda, and he, he sort of pulled it into that race by the look of it. And it was a great overtake. Um, doesn't look like he's got any fear. He'll try it. We see it in the race before where we tried to um, go down the inside of someone and sort of touched a little bit. 
but listen, they're young. They're going to get better. They just need to... I do think in F1, I think it's very unfairly funded. I get it. It's, you look at it in other sports, look at football, you have a top 10 that are close or top top four and then from fourth to 10th, they're close. Um, basketball, you have close teams. NFL, you have different champions every year. I do think it needs to change a little bit where money's given to some of these smaller teams. Like a draft, if you if you take it like that, you get a draft pick. If you're one of the worst teams, you get a draft pick of a better driver sort of type thing. I just think they need to make it more interesting. You can't go year after year with the same two, three teams winning the thing. Because if you want new ratings, you want new fans, you need to have a look at different ways where you can make it more interesting. Can you imagine Mazepin winning a title? I mean, oh. vibes. There'd be vibes <laughs> everywhere. Um, I just think some of these other t- teams need a bit of help. Otherwise, you're just going to see teams get replaced every year. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a new team. Is there a new team coming in? I've been hearing rumours about potential teams coming into the sport, but nothing concrete to suggest that we're like, going to get yeah, any new additions. You'll get these new teams coming, then you'll lose the lack of likes of Haas because they can't compete and they'll just get battered every week. But it's good to see that someone likes to know they're finishing fourth. So see what he can do next season. He's got a year under his belt in F1. So... Yeah, after the season Sonoda has had, um, and don't get me wrong, when Ricky was going through all of that, I was just imagining what the comments section was going to say based on some of those things. So, uh, yeah, that'd be fun to read through later on. But, um, yeah, with Yuki Sonoda, um, Lee, after the season Yuki has had, where most of the time when I think of Yuki's season, I imagine the back of his Alpha Tauri in a wall somewhere in qualifying or practice or something, um, and less so, unfortunately, about some of the better moments he's had this season. He's had a few. This is certainly the highlight for him. Um, with this result and in the manner in which he got it, is this the sort of thing that he needed to get just to get that um, off-season momentum and confidence that perhaps he was lacking, which will hopefully drive him towards better days next season? Oh, I, I think it's a, it a very big confidence boost for Yuki. Um, he, as you, you touched on, he, he's had a bit of ups and downs and few crashes, especially in the early part of the season, where he wasn't sure of the limits of the car and where it stayed on the track. Um, but yeah, it was a, that was a cracking drive and that overtake was a, yeah, that was, I wouldn't believe it was Yuki. is <laughs> the, the only way I could describe it in that. Um, when I first saw it, I thought it was Pierre and I was like, where, where Pierre? And uh, it was, that, was a, that was a wonderful overtake. Um, but it's going into the off-season it's a great confidence booster for Yuki that he can take that through into next year. The only question I have about Yuki is how much pre- how much would he miss Alex's um, presence in tutoring and setting up the car or assistance setting up the car? Not that he doesn't set it up for him, but obviously he's played quite a key um, component in the background for AlphaTauri and their, their set up as the uh, sim driver. Hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, that is an important thing to consider because Alex Albon will be driving for the Williams team next season replacing George Russell who's obviously going to Mercedes next season which will be fun we should be looking forward to that one as well um another driver I want to talk about um and and I'm going to be quite brief on this because obviously there's a lot to cover in this episode and I'm aware of the time as well so Sebastian Vettel um a bit of an enigma in the race 
today. There wasn't really too much to say on what was going on. He was sort of in and around what was happening. Um, I was trying to look through the classification. He ended up in P11 behind Charles Leclerc. He was on the lead lap, um, although he was one of the guys. Actually, he was the last driver, actually, that was able to unlap himself between Max and Lewis. I forgot about him earlier. But the reason why I want to mention him is because he won the inaugural overtake award with 132 overtakes this season. Rick's already face palm in hands thinking what on earth is this award basically they just made it up to try and get drivers to do more overtakes as if the drivers were stopping themselves from overtaking other drivers already i don't get that but there you go um so yeah it was a good stuff for sebastian vettel won himself uh his first title since was it 2013 so um yeah not a bad one i think after the race uh on the engineer said yet you've got the award seb um and he said what's the prize he said he wanted some jelly beans um what do you, if there was a prize you could give Sebastian Vettel, and it could be anything, what would you like to give him uh, as a prize for the Overtake Award this season? Uh, Courtney, I'll come to you first on that one. Uh, a better car, because I think. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that. Yeah. No, because, you know, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm, I'm pleased with the season he's had overall, you know, because he had such a horrible time at Ferrari, you know, particularly that last year. Um, I, and I just, do you want to be, you want to be seeing those names up there competing look you, I'm asking for a lot here you've got this young generation coming through you know obviously with Verstappen Russell Norris and you've got the young lads coming through um, F2 as well but you've got the old guard you know we've had some great moments from Fernando Alonso so you want to be seeing the Alonso's and the Vettel's up there having battles for you know key wins or key podiums with this with this young lot. So then it just gives us so much more to talk about, so much to look forward to. And this goes back to why the FIA do not need to be interfering with race results because there's so much excitement within this sport. Don't interfere with it. We have a lot to look forward to if this is all dealt with right. Mm. Yeah, and it has been a great season for it. As I said, it has been ruined a little bit or tainted by what we saw um, at the Grand Prix this weekend um, at the front. But you're right, you know, and Fernando Alonso incidentally was the runner-up in the Overtake Award this season. So he just, you know, goes to hammer down your point that some of the key moments this season has come from some of those guys in the midfield, some of those more experienced, veteran, world champion drivers. Uh, Lee is, uh, I know, Courtney mentioned a better car. Is there a other prize you reckon Seb would like to have? Well, I, I think touching on what Ricky said earlier in the episode of ripping up the rules, give 500 points for the person who wins the Overtake Award. We've got Sebastian Vettel as world champion. There we go. That's, that's what yeah, I'm sure he would love that as a, a reward. Rick, is there a prize you'd want to give Seb uh, that Lee or Courtney haven't mentioned already? First of all, I just think, I get he's a legend in the sport, but that award's like giving a footballer the most improved trophy of the season. It'd be something like that. Oh, what the one Lewandowski but, got at the Ballon d'Or? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, up for him. What uh, a if I was to give him a better reward, it'd be Michael Massey's job. <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> do a better Se- job. Yeah. Seb, yeah. Seb would do a good job. Yeah. Seb has actually been very outspoken about certain measures that the FIA should adopt. Some that which they've actually have taken on. So I don't think Seb would be a. I think he'd be a very good race director. Mm. You know, he's very much a key figure in terms of driver safety and what the drivers as a representative. So. That's not a bad shout, Rick, to be fair. I mean, you can't be worse than what's there at the minute, so. <laughs> well, this is the hard part with Michael Massey. Like, not to hammer down on him too much, although it's quite easy for the F1 community to do that right now. Um, it, it's it's one of those, like, who do you get to replace him? 
because um, Charlie Whiting was practically irreplaceable and evidently we've seen that he's irreplaceable and it's probably someone that we certainly would have loved to have had in that situation um, unfortunately you know Martin Brundle well again it, there's more to Bernie you. Ecclestone oh god no I mean if, if Bernie Eccleston was uh, the race director he would have turned the sprinklers on and made an artificial white race and every, oh, well, Jerry Halliwell if, if Jerry Halliwell was the race director we'd have ended up with the same result that we did get Courtney so I don't think that would have achieved much I didn't know she's married to Christian Horner isn't she it's, it's funny I actually mentioned that too because uh, I was watching it with um I was watching it with my girlfriend at the weekend. First race, as I said already, um, and I actually pointed out to her, like, she said, oh, is that Christian Horner? And she said, oh, I don't know him. I said, oh, that's Jerry Halliwell's husband. She's like, is it? All of a sudden, you've got to find connections right. to try and get them interesting. And that's how you do it. I um, even gave her a mic yesterday to have a little conversation. Well, she does love her <laughs> racing, Jerry, to be fair. And she does go to a lot of the races. So she's probably, as far as a wife and girlfriend goes, she's probably as in tune with Formula One racing and racing in general as, any sort of wife and girlfriend with all due respect Where's of Susie course a lot Wolf of them do. yes yes <laughs> Susie Wolf yes um I don't think she'd have been keen on into being into <laughs> the race so um yeah I I think well can you imagine um and, and Susie's Tag team match and Susie oh, the Hornets versus the Wolves Go. Well, that would that would be the next step on the boxing thing, but um, <laughs> I would I would probably much prefer to see them race each other rather that. But then that's a no contest as well because we've got Christian and Toto that didn't quite make the. Ironically, they didn't quite make the grade in terms of F one driving, and yet Susie actually had a go in a Formula One car at Silverstone in a Williams yeah. once, I think, in an actual test or practice session, something like that. So um, the more you know, and uh, there you go. And uh, Jerry Halliwell has a lap around the Top Gear test track when Top Gear was actually good, and I don't remember the other three doing one. So maybe they're the the power half in that couple in terms of racing, and not Christian and Toto as team principals respectively. But no, it, it's always fun to talk about. Anyway, look, um, one more driver I do want to talk about before we go back to the fun topic for this weekend: Kimi Raikkonen. His final race in Formula One after 20 years in the sport sadly ended with a early retirement owing to a break by wire issue. And it's the sort of thing we see with drivers when they have their final race. They end up having a retirement of some sort. They very rarely get to the end. Giovinazzi was the same, um, you know, although he didn't have the career Kimi had. Uh, it's never nice to see drivers not finish their careers. Um, but um, how did you feel about that one? I mean, how could we sum up Kimi Raikkonen and what he means to the sport and how much we're going to miss him? Uh, Courtney, you want to weigh in on this one? Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed with the way that he went out. Um, I think it would have been really fitting if he had just like walked straight out of the track and uh, went straight onto his super yacht. I think that would have been the most fitting way for him to go out, to be honest. Well, I think it was a nice photo, actually of um, the, the Raikkonen family where they just sort of walked out the pit lane after the race was done and mm. off into the sunset, which is quite nice, quite fitting as well. Um, Lee, how about you? Obviously, you know, as a veteran F1 fan, we're going to miss Kimi, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I would have liked him to finish the race, you know, when Alonso retired. Um, he got his donut at the end of the the race. I mean, I would have loved Kimi to do that. I'm not sure he would have been bothered to do one because that, that's a bit of effort and, uh, what's the fun in doing a bit of effort? Um, yeah, Kimmy doesn't like effort, does he? Yeah, but I would have personally, I think I would have loved him more if he could have just had one of those famous one-line quips in the race that come up, and that's just I, that's just a Kimmy phrase. His last race, a classic line, that would have been perfect, because that's what the fans love him for, is un- unintentional humour, um, because I don't think he tends to be funny, <laughs> um, but it just 
one one of those one quip lines of like he knows what he's doing, leave me alone, or things like that. And I mean, yeah, that, that's what I think the fans will miss the most. Uh, it's definitely not his media um, uh, responsibilities, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's looking forward to that part the most. And he had on his car, Kimmy, we're, we'll finally leave you alone on his Alfa yeah. Romeo. It's quite a nice touch, quite funny. And um, obviously he was wearing uh, a tribute helmet to what he wore when he joined Formula One, which is quite a nice touch as well. And, and Giovinazzi, we should mention as well, he actually wore a tribute helmet to Kimi as well. Um, similar design to what he wore when he won his world championship with Ferrari in 2007. I always get keep getting reminders of that from my own doing, just seeing little hallmarks of that. So it's, uh, yeah, very, very nice touches all around at Alfa Romeo. Um I did Can remember. I ask who yes. wore Giovinazzi's Giovinazzi's tribute helmet? I don't think anyone. Well, that's won. it. That's, this, this is my <laughs> point. Like you know, he was really nice to Giovinazzi in his final <laughs> race in F one, possibly to wear a tribute for someone else rather than. I mean, have given him. Yeah. They should have given him the number eleven because he always seems to finish eleventh. Well, <laughs> Sergio Perez. Well, Sergio Perez will <laughs> certainly have something today to say yeah. about that. Um, but yeah, I, I digress. Actually, I forgot to mention, because um, we were talking about Seb Vettel prizes, one prize I'd like to give for Seb Vettel, when he was in the gar- in Park Fermi, when he was parking his car, I'd love to have said on the radio to Seb, I said, Seb, because you won the Overtake Award, you get to touch any car that you like. No fine. <laughs> I reckon he'd have loved that. Um, so uh, yeah, that would have been a fun prize for him. But look, okay, look, so we've discussed all the others. Let's get back to Max and Lewis and uh, yeah, sure, we're all looking forward to getting into this part of it. Um, I think we can all agree the issues certainly were the interpretation of the regulations and that's kind of what led us as well to the after-race appeals where Mercedes had made two appeals, one of which of course was one where they were complaining that Max Verstappen overtook Lewis Hamilton on the safety car and we all saw the footage and to be honest, yes, they, they are right but it happened for about 0.3 seconds and it was in no position that was going to affect Lewis's restart. And normally when you overtake someone under the safety car, even if it's something like that, you're always told to give back the position, and Max pretty much did that. So it was a rubbish appeal anyway, but I can understand why they did it, because they needed to try and do something to try and affect the result in Lewis's way. But it was the second one, and this was challenging the decision that Michael Massey and, by extension, the FIA and the stewards made regarding what they did with the safety car and challenging the fact that they did not follow article 48.12 in particular to the letter of the law and of course Red Bull were invited to be observers in this but they were allowed to offer some points to kind of defend their position even though it didn't exactly directly involve them which is understandable and I think Mercedes also brought I think it was um, Paul Harris a famous QC as well a famous barrister that was involved with the famous Manchester City versus financial fair play in UEFA case as well. So very high profile uh, lawyer and barrister. Uh, also Tygate in 2013. Yes, yes, absolutely as well, that too. So um, yeah, so Mercedes amazingly came prepared with uh, a legal team, if you like, um, to contest the result. I don't, I don't know if they brought him down just to say like, you know, we don't know what could happen today, so we just need you on standby. Um, Red Bull certainly didn't have one for that. Um, Christian Horner probably would have done it himself if he had to anyway, just to save a few quid. He loves to have an argument. Um, but yeah, they, obviously they appealed what uh, the FIA did. The FIA obviously did not uphold that appeal because they felt on the grounds. And this is where it gets tricky that, you know, whilst... Article 48.12 specifically says that they should allow all lap cars to unlap themselves, that they either as laps and, of course, have an extra lap. They obviously felt that Article 48.13 
which is that the safety cars, when the message says that it's coming in, supersedes what is in Article 48.12. So in other words, that gets the deciding vote. And also the fact that any does not necessarily mean all lap cars as it is written in the rules. And that was also something that Red Bull pointed out to in the regulations. Um, and, and then, of course, this is backed up by Article 15.3, which, for lack of a better way of putting it, basically says that the race director has the ultimate decision to make in terms of how to interpret these rules in the right manner in the context of the race at the time the decision is required. So... There's a lot of legal jargon thrown around technicality, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm a lawyer that I understand this. I have a relative understanding of contract law from accounting studies, but even then, that's not going to hold up in any courtroom or anything like that. Um, you know, so I might as well get that one out of the way and disclaim that saying, look, do not take my advice um, in any way, shape or form other than just my opinion. Um, but what we what we end up with is a situation where we got what we got, that it basically just lends itself where the regulations are not robust or clear enough so that the race director can, in this case, affect the race and influence it to get the situation that we got. Is that a real big problem now going forward, that we've seen a scenario where the race director has been able to affect the race, where we ended up with a scenario that we got? Could this sort of thing happen more in the future? And is there a desperate need now to try and address what is right and what is wrong in terms of how to handle a Formula One race like this. Um, Lee, what do you think? Um, so I, I completely think there's a desperate need to stop this happening again and clarify and certify the rules. The rules are rules. You don't change them in um, last minute. News, I'm not, not into football as much, but you use a football analogy of the, the goal line. The ball goes past it. That's a goal. But if you then the referee goes, no, the, the line, I'm going to move that back and to the back of the net. Right, it wasn't a goal, sorry. It's not going to work. Or maybe no good analogy. I'm sure Courtney and Ricky could probably come up with better ones versus the one. Oh, it's, 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 uh, thank you. Um, but it's, I think it's a big problem that completely needs to be looked at. But I think it's a bigger problem than that. Is I've obviously got the old adage of Formula 1, is it entertainment, is it a sport? But you've with the the potential intention to appeal, Red Bull said obviously if it, it changes the outcome, they're considered their position in the sport. Um, I've heard um, some of the discussions that Mercedes, uh, if the discussion if the outcome isn't overturned, they may consider their outcome in position in the sport. There's obviously been mentioned Lewis Hamilton may retire at being robbed of the title. Mm. So you you have uh, Liberty Media who want to make this a big entertainment brand, but you lose potentially could lose a manufacturer of four engines from the sport, a drinks company that runs two teams from the sport, a, a seven-time world champion that, as Courtney touched earlier, has grown helped grow the popularity of sport, especially in the US, which is Liberty Media's biggest market. And then you've got a you've got a dud good because your big names in Mercedes or Red Bull or Lewis Hamilton have all potentially left. And what can you sell with that? That's bad publicity. And I think that's the bigger problem that Liberty Media, more than the FAA, but the FAA as well, have to really think about what they're going to do. Because this is not going to um, disappear overnight. No. No, you're absolutely right, Lee. And, uh, and this is quite the worrying thought because, and, and I bring this, this whole debate up on the regulations because, as I said, we could end up in a situation where this may go to the International Court of Appeal for the FIA and by extension perhaps the Court of Arbitration of Sport. And they, no matter what Mercedes argue over this, whether they're right or wrong over this, and of course we're all of agreement that what was happened was disgraceful. Um, but the problem is, is that 
there could be there is an argument here um, not necessarily mine that what the FIA did or what Michael Massey did was permissible within the regulations um and if that is the case that is a real problem for Formula One and and motorsport in general and, and as you touched on Lee the, the drawback of this and we can't I mean in theory yes someone could say oh well you can overturn it and give Lewis the title and end the race on lap 57 as Mercedes actually requested and I don't agree with that at all I, I think it would be even worse now after what we've seen to just take the title off of Max because of something <coughs> he didn't actually do um but what I do understand is that we're in a position now where we could F1 could lose so much out of this not necessarily the fan support although that has certainly been dented over what we've seen a lot of the new fans that come into this sport will probably feel put off by it now because it's more WWE than live sport um, or a fair competition. Um, I mean, if you like that sort of thing, that's fine. But, you know, it's not it's not what we want to see. Um, but then, of course, what comes with that? You know, Red Bull, the team itself, Mercedes could pull out of the sport. Lewis Hamilton may decide to rip up that two-year contract and he, he doesn't want to do it anymore. I mean, you know, Lewis has given so much to the sport. And it's achieved so much and is a huge brand ambassador for Formula One. There's so much fanfare and interest over someone like Lewis Hamilton that the day that he does leave the sport will certainly affect it. Not for the better either. We're all going to miss him. And a lot of people that tune into the sport love to see Lewis Hamilton race, love to see Lewis Hamilton compete and love to see Lewis Hamilton win. But the problem is, is that there's so many, there's so many, well, so fewer things keeping Lewis in the sports to the point where if he feels that this is how F1 is going, why would he want to waste his time, energy and effort to do that? And bear in mind, we're talking about a guy as well that despite everything that hit him yesterday in the race and everything that, you know, how cruelly he lost that championship through no fault of his own when he drove a fantastic race up until that point, after he was able to compose himself in the car when he sat there for a few moments, he was one of the first people to congratulate Max Verstappen. He held no malice towards him. He shook his hand, he hugged him, and he embraced him, he congratulated him on the podium. Even his father, Anthony, sat with that, that shot we saw where they were talking to Max and Jos Verstappen, Max's father, congratulating the pair of them. And I'm sure Anthony only had nothing but glowing things to say about Max. Bear in mind, we're talking about um, a father who's obviously seen so many bad things said about his son, from that camp, from so many different people, to then take all that on board and see everything that he has and still find the time to congratulate him. I don't care who you are, that is class. That really is. And it should be applauded. But it's the sort of thing that kind of makes you feel that if this is how F1 is going to go, and what is keeping Lewis in the sport? And mm-hmm. and, and Red Bull as well, you know, to a degree, if it goes against them and, the, and somehow it was overturned, what would want to keep them in the sport? There is so much that F1 could potentially lose out of this through either not having robust regulations to the point where the race director can influence the race for entertainment purposes rather than fair sport. Or we're in a situation where F1 doesn't care about that right now and that their main concern is just to make to entertain the fans rather than actually you know, put on the right kind of show. Um, Courtney, I've said a lot on that one, as I usually do, and Lee has mentioned a lot of great points as well. Um, based on what we just said, where are your thoughts on this? Where does F1 go from here in terms of, in, to try and find some sort of resolution that can at least build bridges that have otherwise been burned massively by what we saw last night? I think, first of all, this is far from over. Um, whether we want to hear that or not, 
I think the the silence from um, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton in particular is quite ominous, to say the least. I, I think they've been quite for legal reasons. I think that's the direction we're heading in. And that just is just going to continue to throw F1 into the limelight for all the wrong reasons. And it's all down to the behaviour from the stewards who haven't done a good enough job all season. Something needs to change radically for the state of the sport going forward. I think we're going into such an important phase. We've got these big regulation changes coming along that are going to be, should be promoting um, hopefully a more equal playing field, more entertaining racing, easier um, to overtake. So this is a real opportunity for Formula One to have a, a new start. And I think changes need to be made at the top for this to work because Formula One had a real opportunity to showcase what it's all about yesterday and in all honesty they completely messed it up it's an, it's an absolute shambles and as I said at the very start I'm not just upset as a Lewis fan I'm actually embarrassed for somebody that has been into this sport for years and you can relate Adam we set up this podcast because we're we're passionate about Formula One when we first set up this podcast you know you'd have people kind of ask that and the other and you go no you know what the sport is great for this that real fans tuned into what's Formula One yesterday, and the outcome of that race has completely put F1 into the mud. It's 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 upsetting. It's actually upsetting when you think about it. Mm. No, no, absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more. And um, yeah, it, it, whether you agree or not with who won the championship or who deserved it more or who did this or who did that, you know, we all have those debates. As I said earlier, I think Max is a deserving champion. I think Max did more this season to win the title than Lewis. That's my opinion. I know a lot of people won't agree with that. And I'm sure you'll probably argue the case that Lewis deserved it based on what he did. And I absolutely accept that and agree with it as well. Um, but nobody deserves to lose it this way. Lewis certainly did not lose deserve to lose the title. I mean, I thought we were going to be doing a podcast with about five or so laps to go, thinking that I was going to be talking about Lewis Hamilton as an eight-time world champion. Mm. And perhaps we should be. But the fact is we're not, and and that is because of what's transpired. And it, in the end, it's just not right. It's not sport. It's not fair. Um, Adam, can I just yeah. add something else as well? Yes, please do. And Rick, I will come um, to you on this as well. Don't worry. Uh, just as a, just the last point is from just McCauley made me realise is um, potentially would this impact the Porsche or Audi joining with the engine regulations? Why would they join a sport where it's embarrassing itself? And they, as a constructor, you don't want to be being by um, a drinks company for a driver's championship. Yes, they want constructors, but when they when they, the the referee interferes like that, they may not want to join, change their mind. That's another loss for Formula One. Mm. And, yeah, no, I just want to make that point before. I, um, yeah, no, no, it's but, a fair point. Yeah, it's about saving face. Um, companies doing that, and you know, you don't want to be associated in this case with uh, an organization that's not going to help your brand. Um, that's why a lot of these teams are in there to promote their brand. And uh, if, if it's not promoting them or giving them any value, then why are they sticking around? Um, Rick, I'll come to you on this one. Again, we've said a lot already on this one. Um, where are your thoughts on this? What can F1 do or the FIA do, I suppose, to try and fix, not necessarily fix the result or to overturn it, because I don't think that's the right way to go. I think that'd be even worse. But what can they do going forward to try and, Try and create a situation for F1 going forward that this sort of thing doesn't happen again or that they can try and, I don't know, rebuild uh, these bridges with the fans and everyone that they've just disappointed with what's happened. Um, 
they need to make some changes of personnel. Um, I don't, me personally, I, I think Mercedes chucked that first appeal in there to try and give them time to build a case for the one they were going for. Um, and I also believe Mercedes, there's rumours now that Mercedes might pull out of their second appeal, but I think they'll still go ahead with it. But I don't think they're looking to get the title overturned from Max to Lewis. I think they're now going after F- the FIA and their rule book um, to make changes to to explain what the actual rules are. I don't because Max has come out now and said that Total Wolf texted him, "Congratulations, you deserve to win the title this season. You would have you've been the better driver." So they're not going after Max and his title no more. They're going after the people that sit in suits who get paid a fortune to make decisions, make rules. Um, and let, let, let's have it right. Formula One want to be one of the best sports in the world. Um, after watching that, new fans are going to think, why don't I like you can watch football teams go get robbed in a game of football. We've seen it officiating and stuff like that. Why are you going to go watch another sport and watch daylight robbery, watch people make stuff up as they go along? Um, me personally, if I was Lewis, I'd, I'd walk away and just, just be done with it. Um, but the only thing I could think that could possibly keep Lewis in the sport, the new car, the new regulations. Does he want to go one year at that? Have a look how it is, what it's like. Um, but you're wanting new investors, new companies to invest in your sport. And you put a show on like that last night. If it was me putting money into the sport, I'd pull it straight back out and put it somewhere else. Yeah. It's certainly bleak right now for, you know, now that the dust is sort of starting to settle a little bit before whatever happens next. I mean, we should mention, of course, that Mercedes, whilst they haven't officially pulled out, they did lodge their intention to appeal this um, uh, this decision by the FI originally. And they've got, I believe, until Thursday, where they have the official prize giving gala for F1. And uh, as far as I understand, the moment Max Verstappen gets given that trophy, they can't change the decision to you know crown him as world champion not that i think as and i agree that mercedes want to do that or even interested in that sort of thing anymore i think it's more a matter of principle to get these rules um at the very least to make them robust enough so that the race direct that this sort of thing can't happen again it was wrong just to add on um as proven by yesterday rules can be made up yeah, yeah. Well, well no, we, we said this before. Away, make yeah. that rule up. Well, no, you're yeah, right. Exactly. We said this before, Lee, on a previous episode that, um, you know, the, the problem with the FIA in previous circumstances when this sort of thing, not necessarily this I particular thing has happened, when do they ever admit to their wrongdoings? And even if they do, what comes of it? They just acknowledge it and move on and that's it. it it's just, there's yeah. no, there's no desire from them to sort of change things for the better or to admit their mistakes. I mean, it's very easy to point the finger directly at Michael Massey for what happened last night. And whilst there is an element of truth to saying that what he did and his decision-making effectively changed the championship's direction and put it into one driver's hands and took it from another. But the problem is much bigger than that. 
Yeah. It's so much more fundamental than just saying he, it's his fault that Max Verstappen is world champion, which is obviously not fair on Max at all because he's deserved it this year, um, as Lewis would have done if he'd have won it. But um, it, it's just, it's so much bigger than that now. And F1 needs to do something. The FIA needs to do something soon over this winter period to try and save face or at least to try and mend those you know that how i'm using so many analogies here but they need to try and fix this for the better going forward because this is not right um this is the sort of thing we used to see a lot in f1 in the older days where no one really paid attention too much to it or it wasn't really as broadcast as it is now there was always favorites here there you know amongst the officials and it wasn't right then it's certainly not right now um not implying that they have favorites but you know the entertainment over the show is not necessarily what we want to see um Look, I think I'm going to wrap this up, guys, because, Mm -hmm. and this is, again, look, I want to say this to the viewers as well. This has been, and listeners, it's been an incredible season, and I'm so glad that so many of you have taken time out of your lives to invite us into your homes or workplaces or on your runs or gym or wherever it is you listen to this podcast. And I like to think that we offer a lot of opinions that can be sometimes divisive and sometimes we have invested interest depending on where our allegiances are in the sport or whether we're neutral or whether we follow a team etc etc and the guests that we've had on this season have been absolutely superb um they've all offered incredible insight into f1 and their interest and shared their passion with us as we have done so with you and we really appreciate you guys um tune, choosing to tune in to hear our thoughts on this and, and also engaging as well whether you agree with what we say or think that we're biased or idiots or whatever you know they're all great every single one of you um and as you probably could tell from this episode, it's been quite downbeat in certain parts. And obviously we had to try and lighten the mood a little bit in the middle of it to talk about other things because that's kind of what this finale has done for us. Wow. You know, even if we were all Max Verstappen fans singing Supermax, Supermax and celebrating his first world championship, as Max fans are entitled to do so, you know, that th- should take nothing away from that. It still leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouths over what's happened. It's not right. Whether it was the result you wanted or the result you didn't want, this is not what F1 is about. And all I can ask and certainly hope for is that in seasons to come, we'll look back on this moment as a pivotal moment for change for the better in which what we saw happen to Lewis Hamilton and by extension, everyone that was watching the show and everyone involved, including Max Verstappen, doesn't happen again. It was wrong. It was robbery. Not necessarily daylight robbery, as you put it, Courtney, because it happened at night. But, you know, pun intended. Um, I had to get that one in some point. Um, but nonetheless, it doesn't make it any less, you know, bad in the, in this case. And, you know, the aftermath of what could happen, it, it's still fresh and raw for a lot of people. And it's caused people to produce this toxicity on social media, arguing with each other over this, whether you're in one camp, whether you're in the other, or whether you try to be neutral and just offer an opinion, you can't avoid it. And it's kind of, in some ways, brought out the worst in a lot of people. Mm. And that's not right. We shouldn't be doing that over live sport. It should be something that we all share and enjoy together. And sometimes we're going to be happy with the outcome and sometimes we're not. But we shouldn't be in a situation where we're in a podcast talking about a race and a championship that has been effectively ruined, for lack of a better way of putting it, because of the ineptitude or negligence or corruption of uh, people that control this sport. Um, I do apologise because that's a rather sad and bleak way to kind of end this episode. We're usually a lot more upbeat about this. Um, I'm going to open the floor now to my guests to give their final thoughts before we wrap up this episode. And Rick, obviously, please do use this opportunity to plug 
your show as well because there's a lot of great stuff on there that I would definitely implore our followers to check out and of course given how well you don't hold back on your opinions that's certainly fun to watch in its own right so Courtney um, I'll open the floor to you for your final thoughts on not just this season and what we've seen but uh, everything as a whole Uh what what a what an awful way to end a great season. You know, we should have been remembering the season for all the right reasons. I, I thought we we're gonna have the end to the toxicity that has blighted the season, but unfortunately we're gonna see that continue. As I said earlier on, next season is a new start for Formula One and it needs to be a start from the very top. It's an opportunity to, you know, for the sport that we love. Because the, the sport has so much potential, but unfortunately, decisions made at the top have always held the sport back. And I just hope, I really hope that this doesn't become like WWE because what happened yesterday certainly was, it was, it was all, I'm not saying it was scripted as such, but it was, it was, there was a direct manipulation from the referee. It shouldn't be happening. So lessons need to be learned from what happened. And Lee, how about you? Well, we've had a, a great season, great racing, um, some more less uh, more dubious racing, but that's not the the point. It's been a very enjoyable season. I, I mean, I've, I've loved it all the way through. The one thing I didn't want was it to be decided in the stewards' room, off the track, or being involved with the FIA. And this is exactly how it's, the season's finished and how it's going to rumble on. And com- completely disappointed. Where, where's the Classic finishes where you not that wanted a crash, but you look at the Senna and Prost, uh, Schumacher and um, Hakkinen, and um, those great rivalries, and it's fizzled out because the FAA got in the way, and it's completely disappointing. Mm. And that's a valid point, actually, if I may add to that. Um, you know, we've had so many highlights this season, so many great moments. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the turn one, uh, so the lap one incident between Max and Lewis. Because it it did divide opinion and it was certainly something worth talking about. But it's such a moot point in the grand scheme of things in in the race and what happened at the end. It really is. It's completely irrelevant at this point. So it's not really worth getting into, unfortunately, because that would have been fun to talk about. But uh, yeah, there's no real point in it. Um, Rick, what are your final thoughts? And of course, don't forget to plug your show as well. Final thoughts are it needs to go back to the days when you had the yellow Jordan cars. (laughs) Damon Hill and Williams, yeah, Rubens, Barrichello, Eddie Irvine. You need to go back to the times where it was more racing than politics. Um, we need they need change in the sport. It was a good season. Max done well. I'm not taking nothing away from Max. An amazing season. It will definitely be a world champion years to come as well. Lewis just needs to keep his head up. Come again next season. But they all should watch out for the main man, which is Mazepin. He's coming next season for that number <laughs> one spot. Um, him and his mate Sonoda, they're both going for it. And on the next part, if you're a Liverpool fan, do come over to the 1892 Reds podcast. It gets a lot more very opinionated from myself on, on that channel in terms of if you want to see more robbery, come over because the Premier League's full of it. Um, but other than that, Come over, got some good stuff going on. Seasons going well, might get halted due to COVID, but it's because Liverpool's near the top. So again, politics, but we'll go again. 
Yeah, I can see Courtney grimacing in the corner. It's like, oh my God, here we go again. But, you know, it, it's subjective to every football fan like that. But no, I definitely encourage you to check out that podcast. If you think Ricky's not held back on this one, you should hear him on that one. It's absolutely brilliant stuff. Uh, very fun. I'm not even an ass. I'm not sorry. I'm not even a Liverpool fan and I find it hilarious. But uh, anyway, um, very, very good points, guys, and a great way to sum this all up. I, I think that's all this stuff to say for this season uh, to round it all off. It, it's been an incredible season. For so many different reasons, and a huge part of it has because it's been because of two great drivers and two great teams, uh, both now officially world champions in their own right, very much deserving as well. And um, you know, congratulations, of course, to Max Verstappen for becoming a world champion. It's uh, something we always thought would be inevitable. Didn't think it would quite happen like that, but you know, fully deserved and a great job from him. And of course, congratulations to the Mercedes team for an unprecedented eighth consecutive. Constructors Championship, you know, a very understated owing to what has happened, but absolutely incredible achievement from them. And of course, thank you very much to every single person who has tuned into this podcast and has enjoyed this F1 season with us as well. Incidentally, of course, if you have enjoyed this episode or you want to subscribe to the channel, I definitely encourage you to do so. And please consider liking the video as well. If you are, of course, listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform, you can always give a nice five-star review and we would love it if you would do so for us. It would really help out the channel and, of course, make sure to follow us on your favourite platform as well. In the winter break, we are going to do a few different kind of episodes. We may chuck in a few season reviews as well while we're at it. But, of course, if you have any ideas of stuff you would want us to talk about on future episodes over the Christmas break, please do let us know. But in the meantime, that has been the F1 2021 season. And of course, it will only be a few months away before we get back to preseason testing. And of course, the barring Grand Prix for the 2022 season, where it's a brand new look for F1 cars and a new look for Formula One, hopefully for the better. But until next time, we have been DNF1 and that is the end of the episode. So thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. Podcast Network.